just tuning into this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. So this clip comes from episode number 384 with Warren Young and we talk about agility training and change direction training. Are they different? Are they the same? Which one's better? Which one are you going to use more and gain from in team sports scenarios? So really interesting clip coming up with Warren. Just before we do dive into this episode today, I want to say a big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode. Rock Daisy's athlete management system gives sports organisations the opportunity to focus on the important parts of human performance. No more endless spreadsheets and logging into multiple systems. Rock Daisy enables you to centralise, analyse and visualise your data. To see how Rock Daisy can help your organisation, check out rockdaisy.com and sign up for a free trial. From a very generalised perspective, what do you think's changed in our thinking on this topic since then? Well, the first, the most obvious thing I think is the the language um, with change of direction ability being commonly, widely used now when people are talking about um, a pre-planned movement that doesn't involve a cognitive component or a decision uh, to a to a stimulus. Um, so yeah, keeping the change of direction ability kind of separate from agility is probably the the big the big thing. Okay, so that's something that's come about since you've done that work in two thousand two. So what you say? Yeah, I think I think that has um, sort of fostered that thinking a bit. Okay, yeah. is that is that a, and and yeah, go on. No, I'm going to say is that something that's a positive thing for this whole rounded area of agility or is that causing a few problems yeah that's it's a good question because i think what it has done is it has created that separation of um, factors uh, or components um, and people see the change of direction ability as a, a a key component of agility from that model and then they say well if it underpins agility that's the thing I'm going to focus on, and then they ignore the other component completely. Um, so that that can can be an issue. So is that is that fostered from academics, or is that is the work being done and then misrepresented and mis not mis misrepresented but misunderstood in the field, and there's that disconnect between the two, or is the problem right at the start? I think it probably starts with academics that are publishing stuff and then they they'll they'll say well change of direction ability is a component of agility so that's what i'm going to go into and then they'll go just focus totally on that okay so so academics need to do a better job of of including the whole model versus just sticking to one side and then inferring that it helps the model yeah, I think so. So uh, it's a good opportunity to jump to the revised model. Yeah. So the 2015 one. So I'd, I prefer not to call it change of direction ability now um, in the model. And the, the three key components are uh, the physical, the technical or technique, and the cognitive, which includes the perception and decision making. Um, so I think when people talk about change of direction um, often they are actually referring to technique. Okay, so people are focusing on the on the technique side. So does the physical and the cognitive 
get missed? And again, is that an issue for the practitioner or does that actually start from the academic side? Yeah, look, I'm not sure where where it starts and uh, how that has happened, but I think it's, it's partly because um, it's much easier for people scientifically minded to break things down and to... Um, in a, a laboratory setting where everything's controlled to um, to be able to test change of direction ability. Uh, it's so much harder to test agility with that decision-making element in it. Um, so I think for convenience, perhaps, um, that's one of the reasons why people have um, just focused on change of direction. So do you think in academia there is, there is work being done in them harder aspect to try to quantify when it comes to change direction ability or however you want to term it or do you think it's we're down this technical road because of the constraints that we have in laboratories and convenience like you say yeah i think i think um change of direction ability is easy to to assess and it's usually it's usually just the time taken to go around a pre-planned uh, course as you know people would know with 505 the Pro Agility, the Illinois test, there's so many examples. Um, but uh, certainly I've been involved in trying to develop agility tests that have that decision-making component and, and we, we could spend hours going through all that. So I don't know how much you want to go into that. Yeah, so I'd be really interested to know from that from that work, to in, including that cognitive side of things into agility tests, what has translated from your experience and speaking to people, what has translated best into an applied world that's been, yeah, the integration of that, of a specific test into coaches' world day-to-day or week-to-week on the testing front. Yeah. Well, as you said um, before we started, Rob, just when we were chatting, um, a lot of coaches at high performance um, are actually not testing. In fact, I had a had a PhD student, Russ Rayner, who uh, did his agility PhD in Australian rules football. And he surveyed all the high performance managers and asked them about their uh, beliefs and practices in, in agility testing, uh, amongst other things. And pretty much universally, they didn't do a particular test. Um, so a lot of them relied on subjective evaluation. So what? Just um, So the tests, oh, sorry, I was going to say the tests that have been designed for holistic agility with decision making that for example I've been involved in have been done with a research question in mind they haven't really been designed specifically for practitioners to use in the field which um, makes them yeah pretty inconvenient and also time consuming you know labor intensive equipment intensive and and I think that's one of the reasons that that uh, that practitioners um, haven't done those sort of tests. Okay. So do you think that is the next frontier for this area to be able to have a, a test that can be integrated into the high performance setting? Is that doable? Uh, yeah. Look, it's it's a, it's a huge ask because agility by its nature is so um, open and variable and um, as a result, it's not something you can just easily measure in a lab like you can with other qualities. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be an ongoing 
challenge, I think, uh, to do that. But yeah, there's been a, f a few attempts to do it. Um, but I think the starting point has to be to use subjective evaluation and, and try to understand how how athletes move um, before worrying about investing all that time and energy in, into testing. So when did Russ do that questionnaire as part of the PhD? Uh, a few years ago. Okay. Yeah. So if we'd have gone back 10 years, maybe 15 years, would that have changed and would more of more coaches have been doing change direction or agility tests and have since moved away? Uh, probably. So <clears throat> in Australian rules football, which I have most sort of experience in, the, the, the AFL have a, a test they use for talent ID um, called a planned AFL agility test, uh, which is um, well, we could <laughs> talk forever about Not that. Not happy about that. But, uh, <laughs> um, it's pretty random. It's, it's just um, weaving around five poles and it's the quickest time. But they do it um, in a combine situation every year and they, they use that amongst a whole lot of other things to, to recruit athletes into professional teams so um but i've i think even and that's been going for for decades but i i think that um a, a not a lot of faith has been placed in that test for from actual clubs and and coaches i think uh, you know they look at it with some interest just to get a crude um, idea of how an athlete moves but yeah they don't hang too much importance on it Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. As I mentioned, this clip is from episode number 384 of the Pacey Performance Podcast. And you can listen to that on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today. And look forward to chatting to you next time.